Why not? Why can't I be the MVP of the league? Why can't I be the best player in the league? Lewis trying to get open, fires away! Bang! It's over! The Bulls win at the buzzer! You the real MVP. Are you upset with something? I just don't like you. You don't? No. We talking about practice. Not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. I, I took offense to that. Stay off the weed. Hello there, you're very welcome back to episode 8 of NBA Rim Talk. You're here with your host, K Mack, and I'm joined by our guest. P is with us again today. You're very welcome. Thanks, man. Delighted to be here. So, just like the last time, we're going to have a quick chat about all things basketball. We're going to try and keep it under the shot clock today. We've got a couple of things to discuss. We're going to talk about both of the conference finals, which we correctly predicted here on the podcast. And then we're going to be looking at the NBA finals between the LA Lakers and Miami Heat. And we're going to be making our predictions for that one as well. Now, Pete, we actually had a little chat already this week. But unfortunately, due to some technical gremlins, we have lost that entire thing. So we're probably going to be covering a bit of old ground here today, but hopefully it'll go as well as it did the last day. Hopefully we'll just have the exact same discussion as we had before. Now, when we start off, we're going to talk about the two teams that have been knocked out, which are, of course, the Nuggets and the Celtics. Yes, what did you make of the Nuggets? In the end, they finally succumbed to your predictions and bowed out as you predicted them too. Well, I'm very glad about that, I suppose. You know, it wasn't at the first time of asking when they were 3-1 down against the Jazz. It wasn't at the second time of asking when they were 3-1 down against the Clippers. Of course, they did remarkably well to win both of those two series, but this was just one step too far for them. Now, we thought it was going to be a bit closer. In the end, the Nuggets took one game and the Lakers took four. Another gentleman's sweep. Yes, that's their third gentleman sweep in a row, their third 4-1, and it's been very impressive for the Lakers. I mean, there will be some arguments to say that they weren't tested too much, but that was a really good Nuggets team that they ended up facing towards the end. We talked already on this podcast about how mentally strong they would have been, and we talked about how talented their two best players were, Jamal Murray and Jokic. And I think both of them really showed off their full array of talent and their full potential in the playoffs this year even in the series against the Lakers when they didn't do that well. Jamal Murray unfortunately picked up an injury in the last game and he was kind of on one leg towards the end, so he only got 19 points for the Nuggets, which made things a lot easier for the Lakers. And the Lakers got their tactics spot on for tackling Nikola Jokic. So because he was their best player, the Lakers had the luxury of having two really good centres on the bench, Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee. And they split Jokic's minutes up so that he was always going to be facing a fresh guy, either JaVale or Dwight Howard. And I suppose that's one of the good things about this Lakers team this year, that you have fellas like Dwight Howard, fellas that have a really big ego, but they're willing to play a role, work really hard and be a star in their role. And he certainly did that in trying to contain Nikola Djokic. But I would say that Djokic and Murray both have a bright future ahead of them. We were talking the last day about Djokic in particular and how much he's improved this season. Like some listeners may or may not know that when he came into the league, he was carrying a lot of weight. He was kind of out of shape. He certainly wasn't, uh, didn't look like an NBA athlete at that time. And I was thinking about this, P, that you could probably put it down to the fact that when he came out of, you know, the underage system, when he started playing adult basketball for the first time, he had probably never been tested throughout his whole career prior to that. 
in the sense that he was probably the most skilled player everywhere he went and he was definitely the most oversized and biggest player everywhere he went as well. So you can imagine yourself, if you're that big and that good, you probably would never have to focus on the fitness or the conditioning side of things as much. So it has taken Djokic two or three seasons in the NBA to really get up to that elite level. And now that he's there, I think he could power on in the future. And I think he could definitely be one of the best players in the league going forward. Yeah, he was very impressive throughout the whole thing, I have to say. Not only in around the paint, but also his three-point shooting was really great. He had this amazing technique of throwing the ball really high in the air and just lands down this beautiful kind of arc that's very, very enjoyable to watch, really. Just when you talk about the likes of Murray picking up that injury, uh, is being double-teamed, basically, throughout the game uh, by Howard and McGee coming off the bench. As we discussed in the last podcast, do you think that the Nuggets having played all those hard games beforehand, do you think they were just a little bit gassed coming up against the Lakers there? Or do you think that the Lakers were just always going to beat them either way? That's a good question. I think I would probably lean towards saying that they ran out of steam, they got gassed, like they would have been come together so well and had such a winning mentality when they won all those knockout games that they had to win. But at the same time, when they went to play the Lakers, they already had 14 games under their belts and a lot of them were winner-go-home basketball. The Lakers, on the other hand, they came in after 10 games. They won eight, they lost two. So their record was certainly better and they hadn't been tested as much. So I think they had more in the legs and they had more in terms of squad depth. That's one thing I've really noticed this season more than others. And I think it's to do with the bubble and being down in Orlando that squad depth is absolutely key now. And although the Nuggets had two of the best players that were left in the bubble, they didn't have enough good guys that could come in and replace them. Whereas the Lakers had a few better role players. And you absolutely need that when you're playing every second night. So I think it was probably a combination of both. Yeah, we'll talk about the Lakers a good bit in a minute now, but I want to talk about another team that possibly didn't have the depth to get through to this to this NBA Finals uh, in the Boston Celtics. Was depth the issue for them against the Heat as well? I think so. I absolutely agree with you there, Pete. They had in Kemba Walker, Brown and Tatum, three unbelievable players that have really bright futures, especially Brown and Tatum. They're still only 22, 23. They have a lot to give to this organisation in the future. They've gotten to three Eastern Conference Finals in the last four years with that kind of nucleus of players. So I think that the Celtics' time to become a championship contender is only around the corner. They just need to, they just need to make a couple of good signings in the off-season and give themselves that bit more depth because when they had to run the bench and when they had to take their best players off, the guys that were coming in to replace them were not of the same calibre. Whereas they played against the Heat, who have an unbelievably deep team this season. And that's how they were able to dispatch them. Even though the Celtics did show that they could win a lot of games in that series and they did twice beat the Heat. So I certainly think there's an awful lot of potential there for them in the future. This just wasn't the right year for them. And maybe in the future, you know, the Celtics will become a big team that we'll talk about here. And I know you were telling me about this on Monday, but if you'd like to remind us again, this is the Boston Celtics Irish connection. Yes, we were asking whether there was an actual connection between the Celtics and the Irish people. Um, and it turns out that they're not just the Boston appropriators, as we had discussed in the week before. There actually is a connection there in that their assistant coach, Jay Laranaga, was once the coach of the Irish national team not too long ago. And from what I've heard, it was during one of Ireland's most prolific periods in international basketball terms. I'm not that familiar. I'm only getting up to speed now on the NBA as such as most or an awful lot of I assume the listeners are or the Irish people are after the last dance and after the bubble and everything like that. So my actual knowledge of Irish basketball isn't that strong, but I've heard Jay Laranaga 
guided them through what was one of their most prolific periods, which is possibly how he got the Boston Celtics assistant job, because it is a big job as well. Uh, he's listed as Irish-American on Wikipedia. Um, that's the research, the level of research that I've done on him. Um, and I have to give a shout out to uh, an avid fan and a diligent listener who also happens to be my younger brother, who put me on to that point. Fair play, that is very interesting. And it's definitely something that I'd love to look into more. I suppose we've got the plan in place now for the next couple of podcasts about the NBA finals. But once they're over and the NBA goes away for a while, we will have a bit of time here and hopefully maybe we'll be able to pivot towards maybe the Irish basketball scene or maybe looking at characters like Laranaga that have had a big impact on basketball and have got an Irish background as well. So I'd love to maybe do a player focus or a coach focus on him in the future and we could really look into, you know, the Irish basketball team and what that successful period, what a successful period entails for them. I think that could be very interesting. Yeah, it'd be great to get some home focus because as well, this is an Irish podcast as much as it is a basketball podcast. Absolutely. So Irish coaching legend Jay Laranaga and Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, all these great characters from the Boston Celtics are gone. Some Irish people might be disappointed with that. You're not one of them, however. You've been gunning for the heat to go through since the very start. You called it. You called it in seven games. It ended up being six. How impressive were they? I think they were really impressive. I think it's a great story. The fact that they've gone into the playoffs as a number five seed, the fact that they went from being a number five seed to winning their conference is really remarkable. I think they're only the third team in history to do that from a five seed or lower. Obviously, they knocked out the Indiana Pacers quite easily in the first round, but the semifinals where they really came into their own. Beating the Milwaukee Bucks was a huge result for them. Not only did they beat the Milwaukee Bucks, they absolutely shut down their star man, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Everything that we already knew about Jimmy Butler was to the fore and it feels like Butler's leadership has just reverberated the whole way through this team. And as we said, the winning culture is still there from when they won two titles back in 2012 and 2013. Their general manager was Pat Riley. He's still around. Their head coach was Eric Spolstra. He's still the head coach. And it's very interesting that in that era, they had LeBron James and he, of course, left them in 2014 to go back to Cleveland. But Pat Riley came out at the time and said, LeBron James is making the worst decision of his life. So there certainly was no love lost between these two characters. There's beef there, is there? There is a bit of beef, absolutely. But, you know, LeBron did what he had to do. He went to Miami to win his rings. He won two. Then he had to go back to his home city and he brought one home to them. So I would have absolutely no qualms with LeBron over it. Will the people of Miami, though? Yeah, you know, I'd say it's one of those things where it's it's really unfortunate that this match is taking place in a bubble in the situation that we have at the moment. If each of those games were to take place in LA and Miami, you can imagine the time with the commentators and the pundits and all the hangers-on would be having as they flew from South Beach to LA over and back over the course of two weeks. But had LeBron gone into that environment where he had to play in Miami, you're talking about the Miami crowd getting on his back, maybe bringing back old memories for him being there. You know, it could put a different slant on things. So that's why having no crowd at it really takes that element out of it. And it's a different type of pressure that you play in in the bubble. You know, you don't have people shouting at you or jeering you when you miss. I suppose you just have the kind of silence of that hall and, you know, you can hear other players talking on the court. That's apparently been a big feature of the bubble that you can hear everything that people on the court are saying. So the likes of Jimmy Butler and LeBron will be trying to lead their teams in the battle. It'll be very interesting to hear what they're talking about. Like I heard in one of the earlier games, someone said about Chris Paul, that Chris Paul's on-court talking is worth at least 10 points to his team in every game, just for the amount of chatting that he does continuously throughout the game. So, you know, it is a very different situation to what we're used to in these NBA finals. And of course, the atmosphere in some of the old games, as you can remember, 
whoever's at home, they really are pushed on by the home crowd. So they are taking that element out of it. They are really making it a more neutral occasion. And I suppose you're saying that anybody could win now. And, you know, fans aren't going to do the business. Fans aren't going to carry a team over the line. It has to be the players themselves that get the job done. And you talk about leaders on the court then. We'll get to LeBron in a second, but just taking it back to Jimmy Butler. He has really shown this season more than any that he can deliver as a leader on the court. But over the last couple of years, I was reading some stats. The last year he was at the Bulls was the last time the Bulls got to the playoffs. The year he was with the Timberwolves, he got them to the playoffs the following year. He was traded to 76ers, got them to Game 7 against the Toronto Raptors, who went on to win it. And this year, again, he's after winning the Eastern Conference with, with Miami, and he's driving into the finals, looking very strong team coming up against the Lakers. And yet, all of those three teams all saw him as a tradable asset. They all saw him as a valuable asset that they could offload because he wasn't getting on with coaches, he wasn't getting on with players. I think we realise why that is now. He has a standard that he sets himself to work at. In Minnesota, for example, he really called out Carl Anthony Towns and Wiggins and these younger guys that had claimed themselves to be stars but have never really done anything or proved it. He called them out straight away in training. He said, you're not working hard enough. I know in one situation with the Timberwolves before they traded him, he was running his mouth at a training session. So they took him from the first team and they made him play with the subs. So him and the subs take on the first team and they trounce them. And you can imagine the amount of smack talk he was talking during that. I know when Tyler Hero was signed around this time last year and Jimmy Butler took him under his wing and was waking him up in the morning and bringing him out at these 6am workouts. So not only is he working hard himself, he's instilling that mentality amongst the whole squad. And it's almost as if he's dragging them over the line with him. And because of that culture that already exists there within the heat, they respond to it unbelievably well. Apparently they all hold each other to account and they all want what's best for the team. And it says a lot about how those other franchises are being ran. The last Jimmy Butler story I want to say is a great one. This came from a quick interview that he gave before the last Celtics game. You know, the basketball players would very much have a routine that they'd be in for game days, especially down in the bubble when they'd be doing nothing else. So a lot of them, you know, some of the older guys, they might want to start rolling out seven or eight hours before the game. They might want to get their shots up five or six hours before the game. Some lads, you know, will be happy taking two or three shots other fellas might want to get one or 200 shots off on a warm-up. Butler is normally in that category, but it was very interesting before the last game against the Celtics. He wasn't out on the court at his usual time practicing, getting his baskets up. And of course, he was asked about it. They were like, Jimmy, you're normally out practicing around this time. Are you taking it easy this evening? Or he came back and very casually was like, oh, I don't need to practice. We know exactly what we have to do tonight. We're 100% confident to getting the job done. All the hard work is done at this stage. We just need to show up and win this game. I had to laugh when I heard it. I thought it was such a Jimmy Butler mm. comment and it says an awful lot about his mentality, but it could have been a huge chance of backfiring if they lost. But of course, they didn't lose. They had the right mentality on the night and they won that series and went through. So I think they're going to have this. I think they're very much going to have the right mentality going into the finals as well. We talked about Jimmy being their leader. We talked about the winning culture that's been cultivated. And we should also just briefly mention the squad depth. That's why they bet the Celtics, because the fellas they're bringing on off the bench only for five or ten minutes per game were having consistently way better games than their opponents were. And some of the experienced names they have there, Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic, Andre Iguodala is a former NBA Finals MVP, Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard. These are guys that have bounced around the league, been at a few different teams, but they seem to be in the right place now. They seem to have the right fit. And then when you have new guys like Hero and Robinson that can shoot the way they can. I think that their team has really come together nicely. I think they're going to give LA a really good run in the finals. 
yeah, Butler is such a fantastic individual, such, an, such a character with such a great story. I'm really looking forward to a player focus on him in the near future. But as well as that, the depth of the team is very, very impressive. Someone you didn't even mention there is Bam Adebayo, who's been huge at both ends of the court. And just like Tyler Hero, a pun-loving commentator's dream. Absolutely. I don't know how I forgot to mention Bam. He's a 23-year-old centre. He's so athletic. He's so agile for a big guy. He poses a slightly different problem to Jokic. Jokic obviously had all of the the skills and the technical ability and could shoot those threes like you won't see Bam shooting high arc and threes like that but what you will see is unbelievably explosive blocks ridiculous dunks and really just making himself a general nuisance around the basket the Lakers will be lucky that they have their two big centres that can come on and try and guard him but I think a lot of this series could be decided on how that front court battle goes between Bam Adebayo and then the Lakers combination of JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard so I noticed you're saying one of the main strengths of the Heat is their squad depth but you're also saying that the LA Lakers have two players to match up against Bam Adebayo. Do the Lakers have just as much depth or are they even stronger than the Heat in that area? So if we just take that one area of centre, I think the Lakers are really, really deep in the sense that they have the two guys that we have already mentioned and they also have Anthony Davis who can play there if he was required. So centre is a position that the Lakers are absolutely stacked in. And in fairness, when you look down the rest of the Lakers roster, it has to be said there's a lot of names there of people that you would know. And the reason for that is when LeBron James joins, it becomes a far more attractive place to go and play. So a lot of fellas decided they want to go and play there and try their chances of picking up a ring because they knew the Lakers from the very first day out this season, they knew that they were championship contenders. So you do have good role players. You have the likes of Rondo and Danny Green that have won titles before. And then you have other younger guys like Kyle Kuzma and Catavius Caldwell-Pope. Not to mention our favourite Caruso. And of course Caruso, Absolutely. I do think these guys are good role players, but I'm not sure if they are as good as the supporting cast of Miami Heat. I think there's a good chance that this finals will be decided on that. Do the Lakers players that come in off the bench have any sort of impact? Because we know how good Davis is and we know how good LeBron is. But the fact is the Lakers will really struggle to have a third guy that gets over 20 points. Whereas Miami Heat, on the other hand, the nature of their play is... You never know who's going to be their second or third highest score. It could be anyone on any given night. Whereas the Lakers will be far more predictable in that sense. We know from the stats that LeBron is going to get the most assists. We know that Davis is more than likely going to get the most points and probably rebounds. And the other guys, they're not being asked to do too much because of the two stars that they have. But I think that could actually work against the Lakers, where there is that big gap between their number one and number two guy and then everybody else. I think the Heat are coming into it as much more of a a collective outfit and a unit. So although the Lakers do have a big roster and they do have a lot of guys that you'd know, personally, I think it mightn't be as strong. And if it is as strong, we'll have to see what's LeBron James' impact on that. Is it him that's bringing them all up to his level? Yeah, I mean, you can talk about the Lakers roster and their depth as much as you want. Really, this is a story about LeBron James. To a lesser extent, Anthony Davis, but definitely this is LeBron James. And this is all about LeBron James. Yeah, there is a narrative there around Davis, the sense that this is his first ever finals. He had only won one playoff series ever in the league because he was at the Pelicans. And it's very easy to blame the Pelicans in that situation. Oh, they're not a good franchise. I was the only good player there. But at the same time, you have to be held accountable for these things. He only ever got them to win one series. So he's playing much better this season. But there will be a little bit of pressure on him to kind of fulfill his potential because he has been touted since his rookie season he's been touted as you know a top five player in the league there was some talk of him being potentially a future best player in the league I don't think that day will come to be honest I think there's 
better players that are younger than him. But that's Davis' story. LeBron's story, it's LeBron's ninth year out of 10 getting to the NBA Finals. It's incredible. The only one he didn't get to was last year, of course, when he was at the Lakers. And last season was a freak of a season. He was injured for the whole year. And then when he came back, the rest of the players started getting injured and that team fell apart. So that's the only year in the last 10 years that LeBron hasn't won his conference. It's a remarkable achievement. Four times with Cleveland, four times with Miami, and now he's won it with LA as well. And he's won it this year in the significantly harder Western Conference. But what we have to say in tandem with that is this is his ninth finals. He has only won three so far. So if they lose this one, you're talking about a guy who's only won the finals a third of the times that he's been there. Now, if they do win this one, his legacy becomes a lot more appealing. It gets him up to four. He's only one behind Kobe, two behind Michael Jordan. And he does still have a couple of years left in his career and a couple of years left with LA where he might go and win another one. But for LeBron, his time is very much now. He knows that he needs to win this to cement his legacy. And I think he'll want this more than anyone else at the franchise. Yeah, it's an amazing stat when you think nine finals of the, out of the last 10 years. So that means he's gotten to an Eastern Conference or Western Conference final, won those and still he has this reputation among the media, among the LeBron haters that we were talking about on the last podcast, saying that he's a bit of a choker when it comes to finals. Do conference finals not count for anything when, it, when you're talking about a player's legacy? Is it all about these finals coming up now? I think it is, to be honest, especially in this case. You, nobody goes reaching for how many conference finals Michael Jordan won or how many conference finals did he lose. It's all about how many rings that you have, essentially. And it is only one way of looking at it, but people do put a lot of weight on it. So I think that's what it does come down to. It comes down to his rings. But when you think about that stat and the amount of finals he's been in, it's an outrageous feat that he has played that much more basketball than everybody else in the league. Playoff basketball being significantly harder than regular season basketball as well. He's played them more than anybody else every single year for at least the last 10 years. It's hard to fathom how much mileage that puts on the clock. But it's worth saying, on the other hand as well, because he's done it so often, he's used to it. He's used to being able to peak at the right times. And although this season is a bit of a strange one, the philosophy will still be the same from LeBron James. You get better and better as you go on, same way throughout the playoffs. And you're aiming to peak in the playoff finals every time. Yeah, and it makes LeBron's longevity all the more impressive when you think about the fact that he's playing so much more basketball or consistently playing so much more basketball than everybody else in the league year after year. And as well as that, playing it at a more intense level, playing at a more conditioned level of basketball than the likes of Jordan or even 10 years ago, the likes of Kobe were playing. Yeah, absolutely. And it is 10 years since the Lakers last won a championship. They won at that time, of course, with Kobe Bryant at the helm. He was the, that was his fifth ring that he got when they bet the Boston Celtics. And of course, with his tragic passing away this year, a lot of the talk and a lot of the narrative has been about that, that the Lakers will collectively really want to do it as a group for him and for his legacy in the year that he tragically passed away for them to go out and win a championship would be a big thing. And do you think with the sheer history of the, the Lakers franchise, the sheer history of the Kobe Bryant, the history of LeBron James even, all of those stories, all of those narratives knitting together for this Lakers team this year, do you think most neutral supporters will be gunning for them for this final? I think it'll be very interesting for the neutrals here in this one because it is easy to get behind that Lakers story but at the same time if they're the favourites everybody loves an underdog story as well so I think there will be definitely a cohort of people out there that want to see Miami win some of them purely just because they want to see LeBron James lose and other people I suppose just to keep things very interesting I think I would personally fall into that category I'm very much rooting for Miami the whole way here 
the idea of the Lakers winning, it's a very reasonable one, but it's probably been like that since the very first day of the season. Whereas the story of the Heat is all about a team coming out of nowhere, getting better and better as they go. And you get to the playoffs and suddenly you look around and, you know, they're the best team in the East. And they've got that momentum that's pushing them into a final with the Lakers. The Lakers in the West, were they as tested as Miami were in the East? Did they play as good a teams? It sounds strange to say it because the standards of the teams, but the Lakers' run was easy enough when they went Portland, Houston. Neither of those teams were at their best. And then a Denver team that kind of looked spent. So there is a small argument there that says the Lakers probably haven't been tested as much as the Heat have. And any time the Heat have been tested, they've won the battle. Yeah, you can talk about underdog stories all you want, but surely you have to admit that the Lakers winning this series would be an absolute fairy tale. You're talking about the tragic death of Kobe Bryant hanging over them exactly 10 years since he won it himself when he was the big dog at it. You've got the whole legacy of LeBron James that we talked about hanging over it. We discussed it in the last podcast about how this would be a fairy tale ending to what has been the strangest year of basketball and the strangest year of any sport and anything in anyone else's lives. The Lakers with this historic team, with this historic winning record and LeBron at the helm, surely that is a fairy tale that trumps any underdog story. Or is that what makes it so interesting? Yeah, absolutely. And for the real fair weather casual and the neutral, you ask them who they think is going to win the finals, they probably would say the Lakers. But I think this is a good shout for all the basketball hipsters that follow the podcast here to be really behind the Miami Heat. Because the Lakers is really, although I get what you're saying, it really is too much of a mainstream option for me anyways. I think personally, we've seen a couple of shocks down in this bubble, but we haven't, you know, we haven't had our socks blown off by by any of them. Per, I personally haven't anyways. But I think this is the one, I think it's the one that really goes down in the history books that... The Lakers went in as crazy hot favourites with a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis, two of the best five players on the planet. And somehow they just lost to sheer will and teamwork and hard grit and determination. Next week, we'll have another chat, P. And after two or three games, I might have changed my tune 100% and be singing about the Lakers fairy tale and them realising their dreams of ending a 10 year gap. But personally, for me right now at the moment, anyways, I think the story of the Heat is the best story in the NBA season this year. I think in light of everything else that's going on as well, the fact that a team can get better and better and better despite all the outward circumstances of COVID and lockdown and the NBA bubble and all of that kind of stuff, it hasn't phased them. You know, another team, they might start to fall apart or lose momentum, but this Heat team, they've been growing and improving. And it's only after the finals are over, if they win, you know, we'll hear some of the remarkable stories throughout the year of how they got to this point. How did they go from being a team who over the last six or seven years couldn't make the playoffs? to becoming the number one contender on their conference. And that is worth noting that that means that neither of these two teams, Miami or LA, even made the playoffs that last year. So neither of them finished in the top eight in their conference last year. But here they are, just 12 months on, and they find themselves in the NBA finals, having won their conference. So it's a really good achievement for both teams, regardless of how the finals go. So hang on, are we out of the realms of who you hope will win this? And are we into the area of what your actual prediction is? And are you predicting... Am I hearing right that you're predicting the heat for this series? So, P, I'm going to put this down to me wanting them to do it so much. It's kind of... It's going to inspire them. It's going to inspire them to do it when they listen to this podcast. Which, of course, they do. Of course. They'll know that they need to go out in the court and prove me right. Or else there's going to be a hell of a lot of listeners who are very, very disappointed with this content. But I am, to be honest with you, I am letting the heart rule the head on this one. I do think that Miami are going to do it. I think it could be going down to seven games. Now, 
as host of the podcast, I do reserve the right to change my predictions at any stage. This is this is being recorded now. You know that this this is this lasts forever. You're saying Heat for the 2020 playoff finals. Absolutely, it's going to be Miami <laughs> Heat. They're going to do it. I'm on the record as saying it now, and you can hold me to that. And if they get trounced, if it goes four 0 to the Lakers, open up the DMs and start abusing me. But until that day comes, I want to I want to get the due respect. And I want to be heard. My prediction is Miami Heat are going to win this one. Okay, well, I'm going to go... I'm going to nail my colours to the mast and go with a less controversial prediction and say that I can't see it going any other way that the Lakers winning this one. However, I'm a lot less experienced with basketball. I am on this podcast as the casual Irish viewer. And I think I'll say what most casual Irish viewers would say in this situation and say, I cannot see the Lakers not winning this. With LeBron James, with the whole Kobe Bryant story that we've all talked about, and even... Just that bit of nostalgia to bring you back to the home comforts of the team, the team that always won winning again, like Liverpool winning the Premier League title, Lakers winning the the NBA series. You know, in this in this crazy world of COVID and Donald Trump and all the mad things that are going on at the moment, there just there's just some kind of a comfort in the team that's supposed to win, the historic team winning. There's a nostalgic feel to it, really, to be honest. So you're going for the Lakers, hundred percent. I'm going for the Heat. It looks like the studio is split on this one, guys. You'll have to come back for the next podcast and see how it goes. We'll leave it on a cliffhanger. I just love the fact that P thinks that this is all original thoughts that he's having at the moment, not realising the fact. This is exactly what I wanted you to think, and I've been setting you up for this since the very minute that you walked into the studio today. So I've been groomed, groomed into believing that the Lakers are better than they are. Groomed and not in the way that you would like. But yeah, look, they're a very good team. They're two very good teams. It's going to be almost too hard to call. If someone says they know who's going to win, they probably don't have a clue. And here are two people doing the exact same as that. Sure, just listen to us. Now, we'll tell the listener something interesting before we go. We'll tell them when the games are on. The first game is on tonight, which is Wednesday. And Irish time, that's going to be at two o'clock in the morning. The first watchable game, for me anyways, will be Friday night at 2am. That's game two. Can't wait for that. Game three is on Sunday. Game four is next Tuesday. And then should it go the length, game five is another Friday. Game six is another Sunday. And game seven, should it require seven games, will be on Tuesday the 13th of October. So after we see how the first game or two go, we'll come back for another podcast. You'll be able to hear whether we've totally balked on our decisions and reversed our predictions or whether we're happy enough with what we've said at that point and whether we're going to stick to it. You'll be able to hear the audio of this man eating his hat. And I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who would love to hear that. Now, P, I think that's going to do us for today. Thanks a million for coming in with us again at the second time of asking. No problem. Always a pleasure. Hopefully the listeners enjoyed the content as usual. If you did, please share it with someone that may not have heard it. If this is your first time listening to it, please go back and listen to our other podcasts. And if you are a continued listener, I would like to thank you very much for giving up your time. Hopefully you learned something interesting today and hopefully enjoy the NBA finals. All right, guys, take it easy. All the best. Good luck. Jimmy G. Fuck it.